How many are ready for your Christmas festivities? How many finished your Christmas shopping? Have you done that yet? Oh, okay. We've got some of your planners in the audience. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, I'm excited about tonight's service, and I always look forward to this evening to share what God is doing and can do in our lives. Amen. And so I'm just excited to share this message with you. I'm good, Alex. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Is anybody here a person that is difficult to buy Christmas gifts for? Like you're the person that every, you have everything, and everybody's like, what do you want for Christmas? Is anybody here that difficult person to buy for? Nobody? I'm like, am I the only one in the room? I'm that person that now people who I exchange gifts with, they're like, so what would you like for Christmas? And I actually do the shopping, and I send the picture, and it's kind of worked out that way. And so I don't know if that's you tonight, but tonight as we are here, as we know, how many of you know Christmas, what do we celebrate at Christmas time? We celebrate Jesus. If we're a Christ follower, we celebrate Jesus Christ, and we celebrate his birthday. Amen. And I think it's only important that when we go to a birthday party that we bring gifts to the person that we're celebrating. Amen? And so I'm going to be talking about the gift that we can bring to Jesus. Because how many know he's deserving of something that we can give back to him? Something very special. So I want to break that down tonight and, and kind of maybe align some of our hearts of where we need to be in this walk with Jesus. You know, some of you may be here tonight and you've been stellar with the Lord for many years. And there may be some of you who just, this Jesus thing is new, or maybe you don't even have the Lord yet. But I'm going to ask us just to kind of look and examine our hearts about some things that we can bring alignment to. How many know we need alignment often in our life with Jesus? And I believe that's what the Lord is doing in this season. And so the first question that I want to um, ask you tonight is what can we give Jesus? Because Jesus has everything, doesn't he? We know the Lord, the Bible says, owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Hallelujah. Our God is rich, isn't he? Our God is prosperous and he wants to meet all of our needs. So what do we give a God that has everything? So my question from you for you tonight is this. What is the one gift that Jesus wants from you that you can only give? There's one gift that Jesus wants from you that you personally can only give. And what is it? It's our worship. He wants us to worship him. And I'm going to share ways that we need to bring our hearts in alignment to worship God. Amen? There's only one gift above all that only you can give to Jesus and it is your worship. So I'm going to give you an example of some men in the Bible many years ago that gave their worship to Jesus. And it's Matthew 2, verse 1. And it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or the, or the wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one that has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Everybody say, come to worship him. Come to worship him. Now, I want you to look at this. What happened in this story is the Magi's, you know, we've been studying this on Sunday mornings here at Faith Builders Church, and we know traditionally the Bible story is told that there was three wise men, and now we, as theologians are studying, there was probably more than three wise men that showed up. We're not quite sure, but there are some things that we are sure of, and one of them was is they brought gifts. They brought the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, and we did study that extensively during Sunday mornings mornings. But also what they did is in their travels is they brought their worship to this Jesus. 
And if you look at their journey, they traveled a very long way. And they were tired from their journey. And there was different terrains that they had to go through to this baby Jesus. And as I began to study that, I thought, wow, doesn't that sound like some of our lives? That we've got some long, hard journeys we've been on. And maybe you've been on a journey that seems like it's been dry and weary and empty. And you're wondering, God, what are you doing in my life? And we see this magi that no matter what they went through, they went to find this Jesus that was supposed to be the king of the Jews. And when they did, they bowed themselves down in worship to this baby, to this hopefully to be the son of God, amen, the king of the Jews. And so when we think of worship, for those who have been in church a certain amount of time, we think of worship as, you know, we sing songs in a church or maybe we raise our hand in a church. I came from a church where we sung in hymnals. How many knows what hymnals are? Those little books that green and red, I think, or brown, and they kind of sat on the pew in front of you. And I don't know what it was. We sang like verse 1, 2, and 4. Like, I don't know what happened to verse 3. Does anybody ever wonder, like, why can't I sing verse 3? And why can't we just sing verse 3? Like, what's, what's wrong with this story, right? So we think of the form of worship that we do in church is worship. But in reality, there's a biblical form of worship that is more than just singing. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. It's actually the Greek word, and it's proskune, proskuneo, okay? I'm going to say that really fast, proskuneo. And it means this. It means to bow down or kneel, to fall flat, to do reverence, to adore, and to worship. It's not about singing songs when we come to Jesus, the King of kings. It's about bowing down in reverence. It's about humbling ourselves. It's about saying, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. When you come to Jesus, there is a place that we take of humility to the King. Amen? And it's a form of adoration. It's a form of reverence. And what God is trying to get in this relationship with you is not about the one, two, three systems. It's not about just coming and singing good songs in church. It's about getting your heart. It's about aligning our hearts back to the Father in true reverence of worship from in here and not from up here. Amen. And so the Magi, what did they do when they showed up? They, when you study it, they had a full, it was a full body laying down. It was a, it's, it's a kneeling down of reverence, their hearts of worship to their king. And I know in the season that we're in right now, it's Christmas season and it's chaotic and, and we're happy to be out and about again, aren't we? Hallelujah. We're like, can go shopping and life seems a little free right now. And what happens is we find ourselves busy. And we may not be taking the time to really worship Jesus. Taking time for this relationship to be re-centered with the Father God. And I'm going to share with you tonight three reasons why we worship Jesus. And hopefully this will provoke you and stir you as we're coming into 2022, which the Lord told me is the year of awakening. It's not a revival that's coming. It's an awakening that's coming. God is opening eyes. He's opening up hearts. He's getting us on fire and bringing us back to our first love once again. And so if we can find out the reasons why I can worship God, why do I lay my life down? Why am I reverent? to him? Why do I adore him? When you can figure that out, this relationship with Jesus becomes so much easier. Amen? Those of, us, those of us who have been serving Jesus a certain amount of time, we know that's true. So number one tonight, 
quickly as we go through this message. We worship Jesus for who he is. And I ask you tonight, who is Jesus in your life? Let's look at Matthew 1, verse 21. It says, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because what will Jesus do? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus came as a savior, didn't he? Who is he? He's the savior. He's the one that saved us from our sin and from our brokenness and from our shame. Verse 22 says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This was prophesied 700 years previous. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is so special, this message that God is with us, that I think we take for granted in the American church today or the modern church today. If they would, if Matthew would have said God with us to a first century person, they would have thought it was heresy. They'd have thought it was scandalous because to be in the presence of God was unheard of. In the Old Testament, you couldn't dwell in the presence of God. You couldn't be in a covenant close relationship with God. And we find that throughout the Old Testament in Moses. Remember, he cried out. He said, God, I want to see you. And what did God say to him? And they knew these stories. What did God say to him? You can't handle my presence. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. I'll cover your eyes, and when I walk by, you can see my backside. Why? Because God was too great to see. God is too powerful to dwell with. And then you got the prophet Isaiah who had this vision of God that was so powerful when he saw God. Scripture says that he shouted out, God is high and lifted up. In this encounter with God, he said, he lives forever and holy is his name. And when you read that encounter that Isaiah had with God, the Bible says that he was shook. He couldn't speak. He felt dirty. He felt overwhelmed. He felt worthless just because the presence of God was so awesome. You look at the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament. And that was where only the high priest could go. No, no common person could go into the presence of God. And it was so powerful that that priest needed to be repentant before God. And if they would tie a rope around his leg, and if the bells on his robe stopped ringing, it means when he got in the presence of God, he fell over dead. And they didn't hear the bells no more. And so what did they have to do? They had to pull him out of that holy of holies. Can you imagine living back in those days? There wouldn't be a lot of Christians probably around too much. Now what Matthew is saying, and this is the redemption power of God. This is a revolutionary revelation that he's saying to the church. God is with you now where he wasn't, where you couldn't dwell in his presence. He says, I am with you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. Why do I worship God? Because of who he is in my life. And what we got to find out is who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Because you will shout with joy. You will lay your life down in worship when you know who he is. It's, the Bible says that he's the door and he's the gate to heaven. The Bible says he's the good shepherd that laid his life down that we can spend eternity with him. The Bible says he's the living bread. He's the word of God, which is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. He's the word that doesn't return void. Amen. The Bible says that he's living water. Has anybody ever been thirsty for some things in life? 
You're thirsty for happiness, thirsty for joy, thirsting for a relationship, thirsting for a purpose. But Jesus said, I'm the living water. And if you taste of me, you will never thirst again. Why do I lay my life down? Because Jesus gave it all to me. The Bible says that he was two things in one. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he was also the lamb of God slain for the sinners of the world. And he was Emmanuel. And who is God? He is with us. Amen. We have this relationship and this closeness with God. So why do I worship God? Because I know who he is in my life. Number two, I worship Jesus for what he has done. Man, reflecting on what God has done in our life. It says in 2 Timothy 1, he saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. What has he done? He has destroyed death and brought us life. Woo! Why can't I worship him? Because he destroyed death. He destroyed the strongholds in my life. Amen? And you may be here tonight and go, well, Jesus hasn't done anything for me. I haven't seen God do anything in my life. And I have to say that it, you might be in a place in your life where you're in this head knowledge of God, but not in a heart relationship with him. And there's a difference. We, coming to church is just head. Singing Christian songs is just a head knowledge of Jesus. It's getting that relationship experience of who he is that causes me to give it all to him. Jesus, what do you want? It's all yours. Amen. Hallelujah. I know when, um, let's see if this is where I'm supposed to say it because I got all excited. You guys are awesome on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I do want to share it here. So very quickly, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, a first-generation Christian home, which is wonderful because my parents kind of killed all those generational curses and I entered in, but I still grew up in a Christian home. I saw healings. I saw deliverances. I saw moves of move of God, but there came a point in my life that writing on my parents' experience and even seeing it was not enough. I had to come into this relationship with Jesus and at 17, God began to get a hold of my heart and he began to trouble me and he began to bring me into this conviction of knowing him as my personal Lord and Savior. See, just coming to church is not enough. Just, just worshiping God, even maybe serving, it's not enough. We've got to get in this relationship. And God taught me that, and it's too much to go into tonight, but he taught me this intimate relationship. And something I've learned personally and have seen in the kingdom of God is when we encounter Jesus, our life changes. I mean, it may, sometimes there's that radical transformation, like boom, they are radically changed. And sometimes it's line upon line and precept upon precept, but there's change, amen? When, when you're hurting, he brings you to healing. When you're broken, he restores you. When you're full of anger, he softens the heart, amen? When you're caught in sin and addictions, he can forgive you of those things. And he takes away the shame and he takes away the bondage in our life, amen? Jesus is the change in our life. And when Jesus changes you and he begins to work in that relationship with you, people who knew you from the old days, they'll be like, who are you? Like I knew Barb Prude in high school, but who is this girl? 
See, that's the God. What has he done in your life? What is he freeing you from? You're going to worship him because of the great things he has done in your life. So when you know God like that, number one, you worship him for who he is. Number two, you worship him for what he's done. And number three, you worship him for what he will do. Because God is still moving. God is still on the throne. His promises are yes and amen. He has not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. Amen. He is right here for what you need. Now, what I want you to look at this revelation is imagine these magi showing up, following this star of the story they heard about this one day coming king for the, for the Jews, and they went by faith, and they traveled through hardship. They traveled through time, and what did they do? They gave gifts to this baby Jesus or toddler, whatever he was, before he did anything. They offered gifts of faith to this baby Jesus, to the soon coming king. Amen. So what we need to do is maybe we need to worship our king like the Magi did. Worship him in forward faith. I don't see what you're doing, but I'm going to worship you before it happens. I don't know how this miracle is going to happen, but I'm going to worship you in forward faith. Before Jesus does anything, I'm going to offer him the gift of worship. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to be reverent to God. I'm going to humble myself in his presence. Amen? Because God hasn't done it yet, but he's about to do it in my life. So what can he do in Ephesians 3? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or we think according to the power that works in him. Shout, God can do more. He can do more, hallelujah. When you say my marriage is bad, God says not only will I fix it, but I'm going to do more. I'm going to make it amazing. You say your finances are upside down, God says I'll turn them upside right and I'll do more because we serve a God of more. If you're sick or know somebody who's sick, God not only will heal you, but he'll do more because we serve a God of more. If you're hopeless or broken or depressed, God can heal you and he'll do more because we serve a God of more. Hallelujah. Scripture says that he wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He's not here to harm you, but to give you a future and to give you a hope. We have to worship forward in our faith. I'm almost done because we're going to sing a couple more Christmas songs. But I want to share this story really quick. And I heard this story a few weeks ago. And it's called... Um, Keep the fork. Has anybody ever heard this old story, keep the fork? Well, back in the old days, they, were, they didn't have a lot of money, so they'd have one fork for every family member. So when they would have their spread out, have all the family together, they'd have their meal with their forks, and then grandma would come and take the plates, and when she'd take up the plates, what would she say to the person sitting there? Keep the fork. Why? Because you thought this part was good, but there's more to come. See, I've got dessert on the way, so keep the fork. Listen, what you thought God has already done, it's good, but keep the fork. God's about to do great things in your life. Amen. Amen. Just hang on a little while longer because there's something great coming. And let me close in this thoughts. I've never preached so fast in my life. I'm getting my workout up here. Last thought I want to give you is in the view of who Christ is and what he has done and what he will do, I will bring him the gift. And what is the gift? The greatest gift is I am the gift. The most important thing you can do tonight is give yourself to Jesus. 
Maybe you need to give yourself back to the Lord. Maybe you need to give yourself to the Lord for the first time. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've been on a journey of disappointment. And listen, hear ye, hear ye. Amen. We've all been there. But God wants us to come back to our true worship. And in Romans 12:1, it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And what I'm going to ask us to do tonight, all of us here and many watching online, is we're going to give ourselves back to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at, how close you think you are, we can never, never be in a place where we're not going to humble ourselves to the presence of the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to have us all close our eyes. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Jesus, that you are here. And our worship belongs to you, God. And Lord, wherever we've given other worship, we ask that you forgive us. Wherever our worship and our time and our bitterness and our frustration is taken away, God, we give it back to you, Father. We say, forgive us, God. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our pride, God. Forgive us of our rebellion. Whatever it is, God, forgive us. And we give you our true worship once again. And I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Restore my joy. Restore my peace. Give me hope again. Give me joy again. Fill me with the life of your spirit. And I receive that precious gift now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.